Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Wes, as I do every time I come on one of these shows, I thank the listeners because the listeners are what make this show. And today, joining me from Escondido, California, is Wes Lindquist. And Wes is the author of a new book called The Playbook to Managing Your Business by the Numbers to Give You the Edge You Deserve. I've known Wes personally for quite some time. This is a great book uh, for anybody who's interested in learning more about the numbers of their business. Uh, Wes, good day to you. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Honored to be here today after listening for so long. Well, I appreciate you and you've got a wonderful website. And for all my listeners, we'll put a link to the blog. It's called thenumbersedge.com. Do go up there. He's got lots of resources for anybody who's interested in learning more about how to look at their finances, how to actually analyze them. Uh, It's a great website, plus he offers help to individuals as well. And I'm going to let him know a little bit about you, Wes. Uh, Wes founded the Numbers Edge. Um, He's been fortunate enough to have uh, a career as a CFO where he worked for over 100 companies from startups through $400 in revenue and everything in between. Over the years, uh, he's seen his businesses range from outcomes where the people are exuberant to life-changing successes to devastating and heartbreaking failures. And from all of these uh, experiences, he brings with us uh, just tons of wisdom on how to actually look at your business, look at your finances, know how to read your numbers and do it. And I think the best thing about it is this playbook that he's written that we're going to be speaking with. And Wes, if you would, for the listeners, I think it gives them a little bit of background about you because it's really important for them to understand you know, your qualifications as a CFO and running a company where you place uh, temporary and permanent CFOs inside of companies. Can you tell a bit, a bit about your story uh, so that they get a bit about your background? Sure. So I grew up after I graduated from college as what I would call a a curious accountant. I was an accountant by profession. And so I had all of the numbers and the story of the business running through uh, my area of the company. But I loved using that as the lens to understand the strategy of the businesses that I worked with. And I started the first 10 or 12 years of my career working for very large, very well-run companies that was a a great foundation for how to learn to be an accountant and someone running a business. And I had great mentors and executives that every month were very diligent. They would review their finances in great detail uh, and bridge between both what the numbers were saying about the business and what they knew was happening in the operations. And they would ask great questions. And so I started with a $6 billion a year company that had 12,000 employees and lots of sub-companies that each had their own finances, and then a four or $500 million company that had 10 different businesses, and then a $100 million construction company. And the trend was the same with all of those, which is the executives cared about what the numbers were telling them each month or each week, and they cared about what was coming up in the future So our historical numbers showed us this. How does that relate to where do we think the business is going to be in the future? And that was a big part of how they would manage the business. 
And then after 10 or 12 years of doing this, I made a change and I wanted to work with much smaller businesses, uh, businesses that could be under a million in revenue, just a few employees up through maybe 20, 30, 40 million in revenue was kind of the sweet spot. And I worked for dozens of businesses as their part-time controller or part-time CFO there. And they also had uh, a very uh, consistent trend, which is in general, they didn't watch or attend to their numbers the same way these larger companies that I had come from. And in general, uh, they were leaving opportunity on the table. The, the lack of achieving their potential or accomplishing their goals, uh, which I viewed as because they did not set goals that had sometimes a financial component and then measure the scoreboard along the way to see how they were doing there, which had been the great recipe for the larger companies. Uh, so the lack of attention to the numbers I viewed as something that smaller businesses couldn't afford and mixed with that, the entrepreneurs didn't come up with finance backgrounds. So they, they attended to the things that they did really well, the things that were the reason they started the business, not finances. Uh, mm -hmm. And my overall takeaway over all these years in these two different types and sizes of businesses was a clear opinion that business owners who understand their numbers are more profitable, are far less likely to go out of business, which unfortunately too many businesses do. Uh, these business owners are better at wealth building and they're much more likely to accomplish their business goals and achieve success. And yeah, the, the reason for the book and the website was to share what's the difference between these and how do you as an entrepreneur of a small business follow those steps that experienced right. entrepreneurs have figured out. Now you break this book down into by levels. You have four of them and I'd like for you to explain to listeners uh, what those levels are and how they might fall into them because you've you know, you, 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 break it, you break the book down in four parts, but you also break this down into levels for these businesses. And this book is really designed for uh, the entrepreneur who's, who's not only just starting his business out, but who's been in business for a while and is interested in exactly what you've just said, figuring out how to run the business by the numbers more so that they can be more profitable and more successful. What are these uh, four levels? So different businesses have different sizes, sophistications, stages, and the uh, sophistication with which you manage your business by numbers relates to what size you are. So here's what I mean by that. When you first start your business, I call that a, the, that a level one business. I refer to the, the stages of your business as levels. So level one business is maybe you're the only employee, maybe you've got five, maybe even coming up on 10 people, but your business is small. You, you have an innate feel for your finances as the business owner because you sign every check, you know every invoice that went out, you know every project that you're doing, you see who pays and who doesn't pay. Uh, so you want to keep your accounting cost low, as low as possible. You want to keep things simple. You're certainly going to run on cash basis accounting then which means you're just tracking what comes in and out of the bank account. You're not doing really anything else, uh, which we could talk about a little later. But um, at this stage, 
you know, maybe you've got a part-time bookkeeper, maybe you're doing the bookkeeping yourself and you need to watch, is the business profitable? Is it um, moving in the right direction? But you're probably more absorbed in the tactics of, are people paying on time? And how much money do I have for the next payroll that's coming up? Uh, and then as you grow, you become a level two business. The level two business is a little busier probably starts at maybe five or 10 people up through about 15 to 30 people in your business. And now you're pretty busy as a business owner uh, and you should be getting regular information about your business through the finances uh, on a more consistent basis. So you've got a part-time bookkeeper. They need to be giving you, here's what's going on in, in your receivables. Here's what's going on in your payables. Here's what's going on in your cash. And you're gut checking that against your feel of what you think is happening in the business and you should be reading a P&L every month. Uh, and then you grow and you become a level three business. So that's maybe 20, 30, 50 people in your business. Now you've got a part-time controller. Now you've got a part-time CFO uh, or at least one of those. And you're starting to think about the balance sheet and you manage less by how much money did we make and more by what is the business own? What do we owe? How do we grow that gap? How do we convince our think that's giving us a line of credit, hopefully, at this stage, that we're a well-run business. And by the time you're a level four company, you have multiple businesses, multiple entities. Um, you've got a full-time accounting staff. So um, the, the purpose of levels is to define, as, as we talk in the book about these various ways of using information to manage your business and achieve your goals, you're not going to do the same thing as a, a four-person company that you might do as a 40-person company. You just you can't. And so as we relate that now to the picture of how all business uh, owners should manage their finances in the four parts of the book, it sets the stage that the level set the stage that there's kind of a light version of this if you're a small company and a heavy version of this if you're a big company. So this is how uh, the, the book reads and this is also how businesses manage their numbers. Is it's kind of like building a building. The first right. thing you have to have is a, is a foundation and right. the foundation for the accounting or book or financial management at businesses is the bookkeeping, right? You have to track everything that's happening in your business. And then part two is, okay, once you're tracking all the stuff in your business, which we typically call bookkeeping, now that comes out on summary level reports. So if you had all these office supplies that you bought, or summary level report should tell you how much did we spend on office supplies. So we call those financial statements. That's the history of your business activities. So part two is about how to get that into the right rhythm. Right. Uh, but right. All, all that is the foundation for part three, which is knowing history is just the, the prerequisite to the future, which is the most important part. You use history to tell you where do we think the business is going and so that's forecasting. I like to call it the crystal ball. Right, um, right. Well, you know, one of the things that you do, Wes, in the book, you you do speak with the listeners about their formations of their businesses. I know we've, there's a lot of territory we can cover in this book, and the book covers a lot of territory. And I think when businesses either start out or even frequent times, they'll go from a you know, a subchapter S to a C corp. And those are the kind of formations of businesses we're talking about here. 
Can you speak with uh, some of the benefits and some of the ways that uh, somebody out there listening today might choose to uh, design to have their business, whether it's a sole proprietorship or a partnership or C Corp or an S Corp or a B Corp or whatever that might be? Sure. So, you know, for anybody that's listening that thinks that this topic is confusing, I'll just clear the air and say I was an accountant for well over 10 years before I understood this topic, working with lots of business owners uh, and different types of businesses. So this is absolutely a confusing topic where you've got a lot of different similar situations. And I want to advise the listeners, there's no advice that, that Greg or I could give in generality here that would allow you to say, this is the one for me. This should be questions to ask. Uh, ideally, your, your tax person is probably the right way to go. So there's my disclaimer on the front end. But speaking in generality, when you are a small business, let's say under 100 employees or maybe under 500, it's very unusual that you would want to be a C-Corp. Uh, because the point of most small businesses, uh, or one of the points, is to get money generated by the business to the business owner. Maybe it's not all the money, that's okay. But a C-Corp does not allow you to pass money from the business to yourself as the owner without paying taxes on that transaction. So that's my first generality to mention that I think would be applicable to most listeners is if you think that your business should be a C-Corp, you got to ask a lot of questions. you got to get a lot of opinions and talk to um, advisors and people who know a lot about this because my initial reaction is that's probably wrong unless you have a really good reason for it and may detract from your wealth building. And generally, any business that's not a C-Corp, we refer to it as a pass-through entity. There's a lot of different types, C-Corp, LLC, uh, sorry, S-Corp, LLC, uh, partnership, sole proprietorship. Um, I'll generally say you want to be one of those. And if you haven't set up a separate business as a, a separate legal entity in the eyes of the law, you're either a sole proprietor is the title for it, if you're just one person that owns it, or you could be a partnership if there's two or more of you that founded this together. Um, for most business owners, they're going to want to work their way out of that and into having their own separate legal entity, a pass-through entity, once you, at least once you hit the point that you've got some real traction on your business and you think it's gonna be here for a while and it's heading in the right direction. And for a lot mm -hmm. of business owners, you're, you're just gonna set that up from day one. But those are sort of the three categories uh, that hopefully will allow the listeners to ask some good questions to people in their network or their advisors. Uh, uh, it's not having a separate legal entity, sole proprietorship or partnership, having one that's a, a pass-through is the term for it, or having a, a C-Corp, which has its own advantages, but it's usually for larger businesses when the goal is not to get the profit to the business owner every year. Right, right. There's also tax advantages to each of those. But I think instead of covering that in such detail, I think that book does a good job of giving you an overview. But, you, you know, and some of the things that uh, small business owners, medium-sized business owners are always interested in is the software. And I'm, I'm obviously one of the default um, bookkeeping softwares is QuickBooks and QuickBooks Online, whatever they might be using. But you have several that you talk about in the book. 
and I thought they're interesting. Some that track expenses. If you briefly would uh, tell us, you know, some of the ones that you see most frequently, one of the some of the ones that you like, some of the ones that you think do a really good job of helping a business owner manage their business. Sure. So a lot of what I write about in the book and what I try to teach uh, our clients that we work with and other friends of mine who own businesses is sort of the 80-20 rule of, you know, kind of like we did with the entity types of this is what works for a lot of businesses. And but it's possible that this won't work for you. And that's OK. But that's the approach I'm going to take in responding to the software here. So in general, I recommend QuickBooks for pretty much all small business owners. Now, if you own a restaurant or a certain type of business that maybe has a specialized software and you feel strongly that that's what you want to use, that's okay. But the goal of the book is all about helping business owners and new entrepreneurs with the fundamentals of just follow the playbook that has worked for everybody else. And QuickBooks is really one of my top, top recommendations there for accounting, in part because it's so widely used. That makes it really easy as your bookkeeper, as your business grows, to get a bookkeeper that knows QuickBooks because they're everywhere. So that's sort of the, the big one out of my software recommendations is you got to get QuickBooks unless you have a reason not to and you got to run transactions through it. But the second piece that I'll mention is that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, including myself, uh, are managing a whole bunch of different things for their business, sales, marketing, finance, uh, compliance, hiring. And so staying organized is a big piece too that just like finances and learning to be a good entrepreneur, a lot of times you learn the hard way. So my favorites to hopefully reduce the pain of learning the hard way, uh, having been through this for many years, is I, I use one piece of software that tracks all of my history, all of my meeting notes, uh, everything that I need to sort of keep in my um, metaphorical notebook because I don't carry a, a paper notebook. It's just not my style. And, and I use uh, Evernote or OneNote is pretty good for that. Uh, and I'm always taking notes in every meeting and every situation to track all of my history for that uh, because it's just too much to hold in my head. But I also use a, a forward-looking tool for everything that's on my to-do list, everything that needs to come up uh, that I don't want to keep in my brain. I, I personally like uh, Trello. Uh, Microsoft also has a product that's pretty similar. Uh, I believe it's Microsoft Planner. That It's kind of like having a, a dry erase board with your whole to-do list that you can move stuff around on your screen. Right. Uh, right, right. So to There's me, those are the two them. categories. Yeah. yeah. And well, I think it's important to keep track of all of those things because obviously there's as a small business owner, you're wearing a lot of hats, which most small businesses do, and they have to do that. And, you know, one of the things that always comes up for people when they're not only looking at the formation of their business, but is whether it's a cash basis or a accrual basis. And I've found that for many times, it's not a difficult concept to understand, but sometimes when you speak to business owners about what are the businesses, the benefits of actually having it one way or the other, um, can you speak briefly about it and, and how someone might think about whether or not they're going to do a cash or accrual basis uh, accounting and what type of businesses lend themselves to that? Sure. So this is a good 
reference back to our conversation a few minutes ago on the sophistication of businesses uh, that I categorize into levels. So most smaller businesses that are just doing basic bookkeeping, they're tracking what hits the bank account, what hits the credit card, transaction by transaction, in and out. And it gives you this, this is cash basis accounting. It gives you the picture of when measuring the cash, here's what it says is happening in my business. It's relatively simple, it's relatively inexpensive, and it's a great stepping stone to give a business owner that habit, that rhythm of looking at the numbers of their business and comparing it against their gut check of what they think is happening. But the problem with cash basis accounting as you grow and you become a more sophisticated company is that it's what I call a lagging indicator of what's happening in your business, meaning you're, you're looking backwards uh, to see what has happened in cash, whereas you want to start to use leading indicators that tell you where your business is going to be to manage your business, not lagging indicators. So let me give you an example. So uh, imagine that my goal this year is I want to collect more cash from customers, do more business. But in order to collect more cash from customers, which I would see on my cash basis accounting, I've got to invoice my customers. That comes before collecting the cash. And before I invoice, I've got to do the work. And so I, if I'm a, maybe a consulting firm or a staffing firm, I've got hours that I'm putting in. But before I'm even putting in hours, I've got to sign up the business, give them a proposal, get a signed engagement letter, meet the client in the sales process. So if I'm only measuring my business based on the cash that came in, I might not realize that we're doing fewer billable hours in my company, but I just haven't noticed yet because the cash is still coming in because the client pays me a little later. Or maybe we have fewer sales in the sales pipeline, fewer opportunities. And so as the business becomes more sophisticated, we want the financial statements. We want two things to happen. One is the financial statements, instead of just representing the cash, should represent the activity in the business. So when you look at revenue, it's not the cash we collected, maybe from customers that pay you 30 days after you do the work. You're actually measuring revenue based on the work we performed, which happens earlier than the cash comes in. And so that's a cruel basis accounting is when you look at financial statements that reflect what really happened in the operations of the business, not just the cash activity in the business. And then you start to pair that with other leading indicators that might tell you where the business is gonna be in the future. So accrual basis accounting, obviously a little more complicated there because it's not just measuring cash. You really need some kind of trained accountant to run that. That's not really a do-it-yourself thing as a business owner uh, if you didn't come up as an accountant. Right. But that's the that's a much better way to manage your business as you become more sophisticated and you want the earliest possible indicators of where your business is going to be in the future so that you can make decisions farther ahead to either capitalize on opportunities or to, uh, to take some measures if you see something negative coming up in your future. Right.
Well, one of the things we talked about earlier, just to you touched on a bit, was forecasting and budgeting. And, and one of the things we haven't really talked about much is really the budgeting. And there are some significant issues for businesses, and frequently the owners are challenged by this process, uh, or they never do it. Um, I go into businesses and see frequently where there's never a budget. What would you say to ease our listeners about getting into the habit of creating a budget and doing sales forecasting? as well as cash flow forecasting, because those are the three key areas that, you know, you have always told me are uh, critical. And it's kind of the convergence of those, meaning being able to forecast your sales, being able to budget your numbers with what your expenditures are going to be, and really looking at how am I collecting? What are my receivables and payables? Could you comment on that? Sure. So when I work with small business owners, I like to take some of the fearful accountant words out of this. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the word budgeting because non-finance people view it as uh, maybe a little bit of a, a, somewhere between a frustration and something that they don't know. Um, so this is the way that I approach it is I refer to a budget as a plan. What's our plan for the year as we're at the beginning of the year, we should have some kind of plan for what do we want this year to achieve financially and operationally at the business, and how do we get there month by month or quarter by quarter? So it should start with just writing things down or having a conversation of, I think the business should make X this year because we're going to grow at this rate. We're going to hire these people. We're going to do these things. And then when you have that plan in English, that the next step is to translate that into, okay, what will our scoreboard look like as we do those things? So we might say, well, we need revenue to be X or expenses to be Y or net income to be this. And you can take that discussion in plain English and now that can work its way into numbers and spreadsheets. And that's ultimately what, what most of the world calls a budget. It's that plan for the year. But I'm a much bigger fan, instead of doing budgeting, if you're just getting your feet wet into this as an entrepreneur, into uh, what an accountant or, or a business owner would call forecasting, but I call it the crystal ball. So I like more than any other initiative in this area, the business owner or the management team to say, based on everything we know about the business, where it's come from, where we are today, what changes we think we're going to make, here is our best candid guess as to where the business is going to be next month, the month after, the month after, the quarter after, maybe going out about a year. And that to me is the most important rhythm of being able to manage the business looking ahead compared to anything else that a business could do. It's, it's like taking your financials and your operating activity and putting them in your crystal ball and saying, what is that going to be in the future? Now, to me, that's a totally different topic than you mentioned cash flow forecasting. Cash flow forecasting, I view as, ironically, completely separate from what we just talked about here, even though it uses the same term. Cash flow forecasting is about is there something that might happen 
negatively in the next few weeks in cash in the company, that has a big risk of causing a problem here so that we can get ahead of it. So if we've got one or two customers that owe us a lot of money and they're slow to pay, cash flow forecasting is let's be clear about when we think we're going to get that money and how that compares to the expenses we're going to have to pay. And if that puts us in a precarious cash position, let's try to you have as much time as possible to figure out what to do about that. In my mind, I completely separate this from sort of this planning and business management uh, and decisions we could make that impact the future of the business that we talked about for the first part. And this one is just strictly, do we have a cash problem with a forward-looking lens? And if so, how do we give that, that business owner as much time as possible to fix that problem? Well, I can tell you that for my listeners who are out there who are interested in understanding a little bit more about running their business by the numbers, they're going to want to get the playbook to managing your business by the numbers uh, by our guest today, which is Wes Lindquist. And you're also going to want to go to his website because the website has uh, all kinds of resources on it for you to go to. You can learn more about the book. Uh, you can learn about the CFO membership, the virtual CFO, um, and all kinds of other uh, posts that he has up at this website. I highly encourage you to go to thenumbersedge.com to learn more about this book. Uh, you also can um, uh, download or get the book directly from there. Um, there are some video trainings that are coming. Are they actually online yet, Wes, or is they that are. forthcoming? They are. Okay. Yeah. So- for all of you, please go to thenumbersedge.com, uh, pick up a copy of this book. You can get it on Amazon today or any of your bestsellers, or you can go to Wes's website. You can sign up there and you can get the book there. And he's got a promo uh, for 10% off the Kindle version of the book as well. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Wes, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and sharing with our listeners some of your knowledge and expertise about putting finances together, running your business and making sure it's more efficient. Any last words of wisdom that you want to leave uh, for our listeners today? Uh, I, I'm honored that you thought that the uh, information that I'm trying to share with business owners is on par with all the other things that you've done here on Inside Personal Growth. And uh, hopefully it will be just as helpful as, as all the other podcasts I've listened to that have uh, help to make me a better entrepreneur. Well, Wes, we appreciate you. We appreciate uh, we appreciate not only the book, but what you do to help small business owners get organized and actually, as you said, sometimes prevent some catastrophes that can occur because you do intervene at times when sometimes people are headed south. So that's a that's an opportune. And you also intervene when businesses are really, really expanding and they need help because that is a is a big time as well. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's been a pleasure spending a few minutes with you speaking with our listeners. And uh, for all my listeners, again, go to thenumbersedge.com. There will be a link in our blog uh, to Wes's website. Uh, check out the book and check out some of the other resources there. Thanks for being on the show, Wes. Thanks so much.